Welcome to All Right, Now What? A podcast from the Canadian Women's Foundation. On the show, we're asking, how does the pandemic affect the most marginalized people among us? And how do we get from there to where we want to be? In this season, we'll be talking to our resident experts about the pandemic's impact on women and girls and which structures are failing women during this emergency. Then we'll be looking forward to uncover how we can use this challenging time not to go back to normal, but instead to invest in a new normal where gender equality is our reality. I'm your host, Kate Hawkins. We've spent four episodes now breaking down just how deeply COVID-19 is impacting women and particularly low-income, racialized, and gender-diverse folks. But the question remains, what are we doing about it? And how can you help? This episode is all about the future of us, and by that we do mean all of us. In Canada, there are these three key mobilizers of social change. That's service providers, government, and then community activism. So this week, we're digging into each of those so you can find your place in the movement. Here to talk about some of that is Beth Malcolm and Andrea Gunrash. Hi, um, my name is Beth Malcolm, and I'm the Vice President of Community Initiatives at the Canadian Women's Foundation. We're the team that works on all of our grant making and our capacity building uh, and policy and advocacy work. And I'm Andrea Gunraj, and I'm VP of Public Engagement at the Canadian Women's Foundation. And, you know, public engagement is really about telling a story about what we do and um, opening up space and opportunity for people to find themselves in that mission and mandate. So this is a great topic for us to talk about today. Yeah, for sure. I'm wondering if you can both say a little bit about what kind of work service providers who focus on women, girls, trans and non-binary folks do and if you could tell me a little bit about how they're, they're driving change. Well, uh, a lot of service providers really try and support women, girls, trans folks, and non-binary people where they're at. So the really important part is thinking about what do women and trans and non-binary folks need in a community and then developing the programming around that. You know, it could be anything from working on gender-based violence issues also, you know, shelters and sexual assault centers could be working on poverty issues, uh, could be working on healthy relationships with young people. So it's really thinking about where people are and working with them and, and letting them direct the services. Something we've been talking about a lot in the last few weeks at the foundation is our, our recent Omnibus survey, um, into all of us, it's on our website. Uh, and, and in that survey, we learned that 80% of service providers are concerned about their ability to continue delivering services due to the pandemic. So why is that? And, and what do you think can be done to support them during this time? I think one of the big things that um, is, a, is problematic and why people are worried about being able to deliver their services is first of all the drop in revenue. So many organizations had um, events planned, fundraisers, um, even just being able to reach out to their regular donors. They were all of a sudden not able to do that. Events got canceled and you know money had been invested. So some organizations saw um, revenue drop, you know, 50, 60, probably some even more than that. So they're having to figure that out now how to do the same services and and in many cases, increased demand for services with less money. 
Yeah, and I'd add to that uh, one of the things that we did see in that survey as well, which makes a ton of sense, is that even the increased needs of um, cleaning and having PPEs available for people, you know, all that costs money. And these are not things that people budget um, for, you know, it, with the pandemic took us all by surprise. So I'm not surprised at all to hear that uh, services were really struggling. In, in the, I, if I can just add, um, the other thing that is making people worried about uh, continuing to deliver this service is um, how things are going for their staff. So 80% of the people in the nonprofit sector are women. And we know that women are tr trying to juggle uh, childcare and elder care and household responsibilities. And they're trying to work while being a teacher uh, to their kids. So they're having to, you know, it's hard to focus on your work when you, you have a two-year-old who also needs you. So um, we have to address these issues uh, if we want organizations to be able to support their staff to to actually do the work that they that they want to do and they love to do, so I mean it's a bigger issue for many women in the who are working or who are now having to step away from work. But in the nonprofit sector, it's pretty significant. And if we want to support organizations to be able to continue delivering the services, we have to figure out how to address um, the care child care and elder care um, that needs to be that needs to happen yeah they were stretched before and they're even more stretched now and I think that's such a good point Beth looking at the gender breakdown um, of our nonprofit sector and our services that are tailored towards women and girls um, it's it's really backward uh, the way that we've set up the system such that people are already on the line and they're providing services for other folks and they can't really be paid very much because just the structure is not there. So they are on the line. They are sometimes just as, as vulnerable and um, financially, um, you know, in an unstable place as folks that they're, they're supporting. So yeah, we're seeing this kind of double and triple burden uh, on the nonprofit sector that supports women and girls um and i just think that's so so telling in this pandemic that uh something's wrong with the way that our system is set up for sure yeah definitely i think a lot of people upon hearing just how dire the situation is getting for service providers and then the people they serve uh, might be wondering how government plays a role in all this so how is government supporting during the pandemic and do we need more from them? So immediately the government, the federal government put out some money for shelters and sexual assault centers. And that was really critical um, for organizations who got that money. We heard from them that it was life-saving for their organizations. It allowed them to do some of the things that they needed to do in order to continue delivering services. But I think uh, we need to see sort of the next level, the the recovery or the she-covery, as some people are calling it. Um, that's where we now need to look to the government to take leadership on figuring out what um, a recovery looks like and how we can think about women and trans and non-binary folks in that recovery period. Yeah, for sure. In the Resetting Normal report that we did, um, that report I found it so instructive because it was speaking about how women's services and gender justice services 
are not just chronically underfunded, but they tend to lose out in the way that the tax structure is set up. They tend to lose out in terms of who has the power to give more money and where that money tends to be allocated into um, not necessarily the human services that the women's sector provides, things like shelter and housing and food and safety, um, those kind of basics that we all need to survive as human beings. Um, and I think, you know, what Beth is saying there in terms of a she-covery, um, I think it's it really goes back to the point of resetting normal, like changing even the way that we structure charity um, and maybe not relying so much on a charity model, but seeing these as essential services that need to be given so much more funding and, and tax support. But I think that big vision is going to be necessary from a governmental and a leadership perspective. And us as voters, we're going to have to vote along those lines and refuse to give our votes if we don't see that same um, vision reflected in what uh, the parties are saying they want to do. So I think it, it really does come to all of us, as you said, the future of all of us, it, it goes right down to where we make those, even those voting decisions and, and tax allocation decisions. So it, it sounds like we've seen some key investments, but this recovery time is really crucial and, and we'll need more. And with that in mind, along the lines of like voting and, and individual investment, what's the most impactful thing that, um, our listeners can be doing right now to support women and girls during the pandemic? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> it, it is big, yeah. <laughs> um, well, maybe Andrea and I will tag team this one. Um, so I think one of the key things that's happening right now that I'm, you know, uh, this pandemic is horrible, but one of the things that I'm seeing that I'm really uh, inspired by and makes me feel hopeful is the conversations that people are having um, because this pandemic has laid bare all of the inequalities that already existed and all, all the cracks that were already there and people are now talking about it people are recognizing oh you know gender-based violence it, that's a bigger issue than I thought and even people talking about how all of a sudden realizing that sheltering in at home with your abuser is is a problem and many people would never have thought about that before so and then layered onto that is people are now talking about or i shouldn't say now just now but talking more about anti-black racism and anti-indigenous racism and i think because this is a heightened time around the pandemic we're hearing people having these really really important conversations so that is one of the things that I think the listeners can keep doing is keep having those conversations. Keep having those conversations with your neighbors and particularly your kids because this is a tough time for them, but get them talking and they're the, the wave of the future. They're going to make the big difference that the us older folks have really screwed up. They're going to make the difference. So those conversations, I think, are a really one really important thing to do right now. I was really heartened, uh, Beth, you reminded me. People sometimes think that conversations, uh, I hear people getting frustrated with that, and I totally understand where that comes from, uh, that talk is cheap, and um, sometimes you can't, you know, keep talking. You have to act at some point. But I do, I have been reminded that conversations is where it starts. It's where you start 
thinking differently and even the way you speak about something can influence then the way you behave and your attitude um, was something that we just recently were able to get it was a little bit of research about how people saw um, the signal for help uh, that was something that the Canadian Women's Foundation uh, in the pandemic period launched the signal that simple signal that people can do on a video call to show that they need help or that somebody needs to check in with them in a safe way and uh, this research that we were able to do was to find out um, how many people in Canada actually saw the signal. Um, 36% of people in Canada said that they saw the signal somehow or they knew about it. Isn't that incredible? That's more than, you know, 33%, which is one in three. Um, So I think it shows that awareness does actually move the needle and I, I do think oh man the power of us just acknowledging the hidden story the hidden narrative that people have been really dealing with this violence in silence um, that is a really important first step to a lot of things changing and I do go back to the dollars and cents um, of it all because in the system that we live in dollars and cents makes a huge difference it, it does buy you power it buys you the ability to change things so I would say that that's another important thing that people have to do and another thing that I would say people have to do if they are able to at this difficult time is think about where they are donating think about where they're giving their money are there programs and services that they want to support and I can't you know not say that the Canadian Women's Foundation's Tireless Together Fund I think is a great example of something that you can give to and know that it's going to go to gender justice and it's going to go to gender equality which is really suffering right now I think in in the pandemic reality that we're living in as we see the the weeks wear on Mm -hmm. absolutely right Andrea and I think the the, the donating uh, piece is really important Um, you know if you're able to think about nationally but also think locally in your own community um, and sometimes it's donating financially, but also sometimes it can be just donating your time as well. Um, particularly locally, lots of organizations can really benefit from um, volunteers and people helping. But can I just jump back to your second? I mean, the the donating piece is really really important. But the but when you talked about um, taking action by talking to demanding of leadership. I think we need to think about it not just about government leadership, but also in the in the places we work or the places we play or the places we gather in some ways. Because um, I think that companies need to be thinking about all of these things and making changes in their own workplaces. So having conversations about gender-based violence in their own organizations and how do they support their employees who may be experiencing that or even addressing sexual harassment in their own workplaces. I think these are all, by those conversations happening in the, you know, that we were talking about at the beginning and then that we have to take action. We can't just keep talking about it. And so by pushing our employers or our government officials to really make changes in policy, in practices. Um, I think that's a really important part too. Mm. Yeah, I think um, this is a time when community activism and then we hope philanthropy as a result uh, is having a bit of a boom, but I'm wondering if we can do anything in particular to sustain this moment during our recovery and then beyond. I think social media is a huge 
um, opportunity where we can keep talking about what the issues are. We're seeing when things come to the surface, things can change. So I think that we just need to keep using all the tools that we have, but I, and I think we need to use this opportunity of the pandemic to make those changes that need to happen. Beth, to build on what you're saying, I've been thinking about the ways that things just tend to snap back to normal because the status quo tends to be very resilient. Um, and we don't think about status quo as being resilient, but um, we've been privy to all kinds of interesting conversations and, and media right now, um, I guess because we have time to watch Netflix uh, more than we did before, some of us. And it just really dawns on me that we have to have an intentionality about it. As you said, we have to really um, make sure that we don't just fall into the future, but actually try our best to together do a groundswell. And I just feel like the theme that I've been hearing over and over again is how important it is to create space and open space and really listen to voices that are underheard. So I really think that that's the lesson that I take away right now is just just start by listening to the voices that haven't been listened to before. That's a really important uh, point. And I think we all need to be open to be challenged by that because sometimes we think that we're doing the right thing and if we're not listening to everyone um, and to voices who are often unheard, we may be missing something. So it's it's not always easy, but I think being open to um, being challenged on the way that you've been doing things and being open to new ways of working is a really important part of how we move forward. This is the final episode of the first season of All Right, Now What? Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you'd like to learn more about us, or if you'd like to make a donation to support our work, please go to canadianwomen.org. Every dollar counts, and it will make a difference. Please share the show, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Canadian Women's Foundation, and on Twitter at CDNWomenFDN. If you have any questions or comments about this season, we'd love your feedback and can be reached at engagement at canadianwomen.org. And if you'd like to leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on, that would also be really appreciated. Thanks again, and please keep in touch. That was great. It was easier than I thought. Oh, good. Oh, good. That's all we like to hear. It was fun to have a conversation with him. Oh, likewise. Yeah. yeah. I, I swore I swore less this time than when I usually talk to him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Cool, so. Hilarious. Yeah, that's right. We're trying to be cool. I was trying my hardest. I was so many times I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to swear. I'm going to swear. I'm going to swear. Now's not the time to swear. So, yeah. <laughs>